Welcome to the Animation Podcast, an official podcast of Filmbook. The Animation Podcast is a weekly animation news podcast that reports on the latest animation movie and TV show news. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that introduction, Mr. Deep Voice, Mr. Coming to a Theater Near You. And thank you, audience, for tuning in today. What a beautiful day it is. The sun is shining. My microphone is working once again. And I have a, a flurry, a slurry, um, <laughs> a surrey, a, a surrey with the fringe on top for you of uh, new animation news. But before we get into that, let me do a little intro, if you will, if you haven't listened to the last 13 episodes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Animation Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things animation, brought to you by Filmbook. My name is Ephraim Bernie. If you are tuning into the Animation Podcast for the first time, what I do on this podcast is I discuss the current week's animation news. Find more of the Animation Podcast episodes on Filmbook, that's film-book.com, by using the search term the Animation Podcast. If you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or another podcasting service, please rate and review this episode. If you are listening to this podcast on YouTube, please like our videos, subscribe, and consider becoming one of our patrons on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmbook. Oh boy, it's good to be back. Back from last week. Now that I can speak the way I like to be speaking and not worrying about blowing your ears off, gang. Um, in top news, 2022 is already proving itself to be an exciting year for long-awaited IPs. Since the past week, we received confirmation of an anime-inspired, fully animated TV series out of the holy book for all dorks, Brian Lee O'Malley's Scott Pilgrim comic series. The cultural phenomenon that is Scott Pilgrim and Mona Flowers, Odyssey through adulthood, and ex-boyfriends in video games, it cannot be understated, as the Edgar Wright uh, 2010 adaption still feels very alive, making top 10 lists and remaining a cult favorite. I am a big fan of the movie, and even back then when I was even, I was even a bigger fan of the 10-minute short uh, that they animated to go along with the release of the movie. I remember watching it on YouTube and thinking, this is what my favorite characters should actually look like. No disrespect to Michael Sarah or any of the original cast. They do fantastic work. It's just, for me, it's hard to imagine them any other way than fully animated just the way they were on the page except on the big screen. So, to have news about a fully animated adaption, this time a TV show that intends to honor the very anime-inspired theme of the comic, as well as take the time to really capture the slice-of-life storytelling that is so intrinsic to that story. Uh, it's taking me all the way back to when I was 13 years old watching the movie trailer for the first time. It is, it's got me very excited. Here's some info on who's involved. The show has yet to be greenlit, so no cast members yet, but it would be for Netflix, and O'Malley is writing and executive producing alongside Edgar Wright and Ben David Gabinski. Uh, you know him from the showrunner of Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot on Nickelodeon, among other things. Don't think he's done a lot of animation, but between these other two guys, I think they have the story covered. Um, the animation will be coming from Science Saru, an animation studio in Tokyo, known for its hybrid technology when it comes to combining hand-drawn and digital animating. They're a very cool company, and it, it actually does seem like a natural fit for this group of people. Again, we shouldn't get too excited um, because it hasn't been greenlit yet, but with the original creator at the helm being propped up by people who are true, true, true fans of the source material, 
and an ambitious animation company that will honor the comic's anime roots, it's hard not to think that this will be a pretty kick-ass reboot or remake, or whatever you want to call it, when the time comes. I would be surprised if it didn't go fully to series. In other top news, Disney Pixar's Turning Red is turning heads. (laughs) Aren't I so funny there? No, it is making news as it announces that it is skipping a theatrical release and going straight to streaming exclusively on Disney+. The uh, The shift of plans is no doubt a response to the growing number of Omicron and COVID cases, making this the third Pixar film in a row that will miss an in-person theatrical debut. Uh, Kareem Daniel, the chairman of Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution, spoke this week saying that considering the delaying, uh, considering the delayed rates of box office recovery, especially in children's movies where the primary audiences are children who may, who may be too young to be vaccinated and their parents who are going to be extra cautious when it comes to their kids, the most financially intelligent plan is to turn back to streaming, right? It's interesting, though, to see how quickly things have changed, as Encanto, Disney's last big release, ran in theaters all across America, and that was just two months ago in November. So if you intend to watch uh, Domishi's foray into feature films with Turning Red this March 11th, you will have to do it from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it is sad. It is sad that it's not going to be. I mean, it's it's... It's small potatoes for us. We're going to be watching it from our couches. That's fine. But it is sad for everybody involved. I'm sure they really wanted a big, fancy theatrical release. And at one point, I promise, I'm I'm sure these people will get what they want. It's just not right now. We're, We're hanging tight. Okay, moving on, since we're already talking about Disney and speaking of Encanto anyway, let's move on as we move into the news from those big old American companies. The Mouse House's Ode to Colombian Magic was honored this last weekend with its win of Best Animated Picture at the Golden Globes. Congratulations! It was competing against two other Disney contemporaries, Luca from Pixar and Raya and the Last Dragon, also from the Disney house, um, as well as the Czech indie film My Sunny Mod and the international juggernaut that has been Flea. I imagined Encanto would probably pick up this win, cementing itself as the heaviest competitor against Flea. I can't remember what I said. Maybe I did some predictions uh, maybe three, four weeks ago on this one. I can't remember what I said. Um, The next best indicator for who will pick up the Oscar is usually going to be the Annie Awards. However, this year, the two frontrunners are nominated in different categories, Encanto being in Best Feature and Flea being in Best Indie Feature. So it will be interesting. It's going to be an interesting race for sure, right? There is a like, there's still a likelihood that Mitchells vs. the Machines, a film that is nominated against Encanto for the Annie Awards, but wasn't even nominated for the Golden Globes, could turn around and surprise some of us, but it's looking more and more like the race is going to be Flea v. Encanto. Congratulations to the entire Encanto team on their win, by the way. Whether it was your favorite movie or not last year, it is an undeniably, it's undeniably a pretty terrific film. In news from 20th Century Fox, we finally got a trailer for the much-anticipated The Bob's Burger Movie. Bob's Burgers Movie. 
The Bob's Burgers movies. Oh, gosh, I can't say it. The Bob's Burgers movie. There you go. The movie adaption of the massively, uh, the massive hit animated series, now in its 12th season, is scheduled to hit theaters on May 27th and will obviously feature all of the brilliant voice actors that we've come to love from the Belcher's family. That's Christian Shaw, H. John Benjamin, John Roberts, Dan Mintz, and Eugene Merman, alongside um, other the, the other supporting cast with his... Larry Murphy, Kevin Klein, David Wayne, and Zach Galifianakis. And, um, David Herman. Oh, awesome. Yeah, of course, David Herman. The trailer doesn't give us too much to go off of, what, uh, at least regarding what the actual story seems to be about. Um, besides, um, a summer gone haywire for Bob and his family, though we get more clues from a brief description given to us alongside the trailer. Apparently, after planning for a big summer blowout, a sinkhole opens up right in front of the restaurant, putting Bob's financial plans for the season in jeopardy. While Linda and Bob try to rally... Tina, Jean, and Louise try to solve a mystery that can save the business. The tone seems very much like an extended version of everything that we know and love about the series already, so fans will likely be pleased. I do think it's funny, however, right, how much much in the vein much in the same vein as the Simpsons movie, the Bob's Burgers movie has a sinkhole playing a pivotal role. I don't know if that's just coincidence or maybe they saw that and they liked what they did with it. The film will be directed by series producer uh, Bernard Derriman with series creator Lauren Bouchard as co-director. And then Bouchard has written the screenplay alongside Nora Smith. Nora Smith being one of um, the fellow creators on Central Park alongside Bouchard. And Nora Smith will be producing alongside Janelle Momory. All of these people are tied very closely to the show and responsible for its long reign of popularity and quality. We should expect nothing less from this big screen debut. I'm going to go ahead and call that right there. Um, and speaking of Bob's Burgers and The Simpsons, the two shows are the front runners in the Writers Guild of America Awards, each with two episodes nominated. From Bob's Burgers, we have an icon... <laughs> this stupid name. Um, an incon... An inconwelient truth. Uh, <laughs> an inconwelient truth by Dan Feibel and Loft in Bedslation by Jamil Salim. And from The Simpsons, we have the episodes Portrait of a Lackey on Fire by Rob and Johnny Lezebnik, uh, and The Star of the Backstage by Elizabeth Kieran Averick. Uh, rounding out the category is Daniel Peck's Must Love Dogs from Family Guy and Lisa Hanawalt's Plant Toe from Tuca and Birdie. In the last 10 years of the WGA Awards, The Simpsons have won six times. The only other shows to steal the win from The Simpsons was Bob's Burgers with one time, and then three other times went to BoJack Horseman, which could spell good news for Tuca and Birdie. This is their first time ever being nominated. It's still a relatively young show. Um, though if I had to put a wager down, I'd probably say The Simpsons has the win. People in the Guild just love those writers, which... Look, it seems crazy to me. I, I don't think it's controversial when I say that The Simpsons hasn't been good in a while. Um, and if their best episode is named Portrait of a Lackey on Fire, I can't imagine things have changed much. I haven't seen I haven't seen the episode. I haven't seen the last season. So maybe it's fantastic. My gut is telling me otherwise. I would love something like Tuca and Birdie to win. Hey, I would even love, like, I'm not saying Family Guy is much better, but they haven't won in a while, um, if ever. They, I think they've won once, so it could be, it would be nice for Family Guy to win something, but um, who knows? The, the winners will be announced on March 20th. 
In the world of anime, that's right, I'm moving right along to anime, baby. Try and stop me. In the biggest news, it's, uh, in the world, the biggest news in the world of anime is about pirates, and I'm not referring to Monkey D. Luffy in the Straw Hat Gang. I know, I'm very clever, aren't I? Uh, this week, we got some news, or at least some more information, about the upcoming April launch of Japan's International Anti-Piracy Organization, also known as IAPO, or I-A-P-O. IAPO will be the joint coalition between major companies from at least 10 different countries teaming up to fight against the global piracy market of anime and manga. The group will be overseen by Japan's Content Overseas Distribution Association, which itself is made up of 32 big-time animation studios, including the likes of Toei Animation, Sunrise Company, Anaplex, Ghibli, and Katakoa, to name a few. Um, joining Japan in this fight is the Copyright Society of China, the Motion Pictures Association of the United States, the Korea Copyright Protection Agency, and a slew of other governing agencies of similar merit from all sorts of different countries all across Asia. Anime and manga piracy is a big-time money con job, with some statistics finding Japan alone is losing upwards of $7 billion in stolen content. I mean, that's kind of how you'd... It depends on what you what you define as piracy. There's a lot of nitty-gritty statistics about and what qualifies as what. But it's still, a lot of people are losing a lot of money with this. This has only been heightened by the amount of streaming that has been going on since the world of quarantining and staying inside brought a boon for anime and therefore a boon in piracy numbers. Almost two years ago now, right? In 2020, the Japanese government made changes to its copyright laws, harshening punishments for those found knowingly downloading pirated media. So this this kind of joint coalition is a task force. They're looking to get you. So if you're out there pirating, you got to either find a way to stay hidden or, <laughs> or you better give up your way of life, I'm afraid. Oh, boy. Um, also... Fans of the online free-to-play battle royale game Ninjala were excited this week with the release of the, teen, uh, the TV anime tie-in spinoff that premiered with an English dub on the game's official English YouTube channel. That's a lot of English, that's a lot of words, what I'm saying right there. Uh, that happened this past Thursday. The show focuses on Burton, Bereka, and Ron, uh, three scientist characters from the WNA, or World Ninja Association, that develop a gum that allows the user to unlock their hidden ninja powers. In a unique mar marketing strategy, Gung Ho, which is the, they're the developers for the game Ninjala, um, and also for all subsidiary content, uh, Gung Ho has included four giveaway codes redeemable in the game that can only be found in the first four episodes of the TV show. So if you're a fan of Ninjala or free-to-play games or Battle Royale games, or if you're a fan of anime, or if you're a fan of, especially if you're a fan of Splatoon, because this looks very, maybe I shouldn't say this, but this looks a lot like Splatoon. Um, I've never played it, so I don't know what it's like. But you might want to watch it now. It's over on the it's over on the YouTube channel that they have for Gung Ho. It's the official Ninjala YouTube channel. And you might want to watch it soon because I think Splatoon is rumored to also have some anime stuff in the works. So before they, before this also comes and starts competing, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't. Um, okay, and moving on, moving on. Here we are. Um, this is a great transition, and what is a very good transition from anime to foreign film because we're in the foreign film category, guys. Um, 
International sales and co-production company um, Pulsar Content has just acquired its first animated feature, which it intends to market worldwide. This feature being... The Dragon Princess, the fantasy epic anime-styled uh, movie about a girl raised by dragons discovering the world of humans. Dragon Princess is a, f- is a film from French animation studio Ankama, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, Ankama, which uh, you might know as the company behind the video game turned transmedia franchise Dofus, uh, I also hope I'm saying that right, Dofus. Um, Ankama got the world's attentions with its uh, publishing of RPGs and comics and even some board games. And then stepping into the world of animation with uh, animated adaptions of their own video game and graphic novel properties. And then co-producing MFKZ, which if you remember was one of the first movies I recommended on this show. (laughs) Pulsar, being a Parisian company itself, the pairing makes sense. And after a theatrical release in uh, France last December, France, (laughs) after a theatrical release in France last December, Pulsar intends to take Dragon Princess to the global market at the... The Unifrance Rendezvous. Uh, the film itself is directed by Jean-Jacques Denis. He's an Ankama alumni. He's worked on many of the Dofus properties and, and movies and adaptions of a lot of that. Alongside the co-director, he's working alongside co-director and screenwriter Anthony Rue, uh, who also so happens to be the, the co-founder of Ankama. So it's it's very, they're working from within themselves here. Um, as far as the movie goes itself, it has an, a distinct anime aesthetic, something that would look akin to Studio Ghibli's Ponyo or Ponyo. Um, Bristle, the, uh, dragon princess herself, that's her name, has a cute but kind of rough-around-the-edges quality that will serve her very well as a protagonist with a storyline like this. Or at least Ankama and Pulsar definitely seem to think so, as they have already announced their plans to turn the film into a four-feature franchise. (laughs) Um, that's really, that's pretty ambitious, I guess. But, you know, look, time will only tell how how, uh, fruitful their ambitions turn out to be. But we wish them the best of luck in their moving forward, right? Over in China, what started out as a rocky and controversial start for Haiping Sun's uh, I Am What I Am seems to have been swiftly remedied as the film has tallied in as the most popular Chinese film of the year and and new year period. For those who weren't in the know, the animated film, also known as Lion Dance Boy, faced controversy for its character design. The parallel, um, the the Chinese film depicted its characters, right, with what was described as smaller, slanted eyes, obviously creating a backlash for the parallel to racist caricatures and depictions of Chinese people by foreign powers in colonial and less understanding times. The controversy, however, has seemed to only boost the reach of the film, as it has garnered an an 85.6 out of 100 at the China Film Art Research Center polling charts and raked in $34.6 million, which is pretty damn good for a local animated movie in that region. The movie is described as a down-to-earth coming-of-age story about three young men in Guangdong province uh, hoping to master a traditional lion dance. In response to the controversy, the film's producer Mao Zhang spoke to Chinese tabloid The Global Times, arguing that the smaller eyes were an embrace of Chinese filmmaking and a rejection of American and Japanese standards, the cultures that popularized bigger, rounder eyes in in animation, right? 
And while there is no U.S. distributor as of now, the film marks an interesting turning point in Chinese animation where it's now abundantly clear that audiences will appreciate a more grounded, realistic story that appeals to their own childhoods. That's what I got for you with a foreign film. At least, so we're moving on home to, from around the world down to your home with home video and digital HD release news. Everybody's favorite part of the episode. <laughs> um, and it's very sad because this <laughs> there is no DVD and Blu-ray news this week. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it was a very slow week for releases. Um, that being said, next week we get the release of the Adams Family 2 movies on uh, the movie on Blu-ray. So if you've been waiting for that little gem, you're only a few little days away, right? Okay, okay. I have what you are actually here for. The review of the big picture in the article. Smiling Friends. Oh my gosh. Getting it out of the way, the info. Created, written, and directed by Michael Cusack and Zach Hadel from their, um, you know them from their respective YouTube channels, um, Michael Cusack and Psychic Pebbles. Uh, Cusack also has worked as a creator for YOLO, The Crystal Fantasy. It is produced by Princess Bento, which is a subsidiary of Bento Box, and Goblin Caught on Tape production companies. Um, Goblin Caught on Tape is most likely, I can't confirm this, I, I, I can't find any Wikipedia articles, and that's the only place that I go to look at things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that it's Cusack and Hadel's, uh, Hadel's company, um, and it stars Cusack and Hadel, and also Mark M. from Sick Animation, one of my favorites. Oh, boy. I mean, I have been hyping up Smiling Friends for so long. And it's this. This is the the second uh, TV show that I've ever reviewed on this show, right? I normally do movies, um, but... It just felt like I needed to talk about it. Like, my week was defined by Smiling Friends. I have been excitedly waiting for Smiling Friends ever since it first came out in 2020. The pilot episode was one of the highlights of my year. And now, granted, look, it's not very hard for that to be the top on the top of 2020 was a particularly bad year, if you don't remember. But all of this is to say that it's been quite a lot of buildup, not only for me, but for all of the fans that voted it into existence. I'm sure if you're watching this, you already know, but it was one of the most heavily requested pilots on Adult Swim's annual showcase. I'm trying to write this right now. I'm trying to write a review of it right now, and I cannot even bring myself to do it because I just want to gush about it. Is it worth, you know, was it worth the buildup? Yes. Yes, it was. It felt like, I hadn't felt this feeling since, you know, Bojack Seasons releases and whatnot. After seeing the trailer, after seeing all this, the, it, I was so excited to see this and it was exactly what it was what we thought it was going to be it was so much of the creativity that comes from these two guys their style their laughs their sense of humor is so so fun and look it might just be that it's just uniquely fitted towards me it could be that I don't know but I found i've shown this to so many different people and they always laugh out loud watching it so let me go right into talking about the story right it's a little difficult because it's a tv show it's not like there's a summary that i can really give but for those of you who don't know smiling friends is about two guys charlie and pim uh they work for a company called smiling friends along with their their co-workers alan and gleb and they work for a guy he's just called the boss um 
And there's some other characters thrown in here and then they come in and out, but it's mostly those guys. Um, Charlie and Pim are tasked every week with dealing with some kind of odd request where they are just trying to make somebody smile. Um, but some, it's hardly ever that. Sometimes it's a murder mystery. Sometimes it's a quest through the enchanted forests. Sometimes it's saving the guy, like in the pilot, from killing himself. If you can't already tell, it's got a darker edge to it. But it's fueled with this kind of dedication to the way that these guys talk and joke around, it feels like half the time you're watching something out of this world and the other half of the time you're, like, talking to your best friend. And that's the only way I can describe it. Pim is very much an optimist um, and Charlie is kind of the pessimist, but pegging them in that category so simplifies what they are because they're not just that. Charlie is this weird combination of just like this guy who doesn't want to do anything and has this kind of weirdly like like you don't want to hang out with him too long because he's gonna say something that makes you uncomfortable vibe about him but at the same time he's so like he's the voice of reason and he's <laughs> so it's really fun to play with those dynamics and then, and then you have Pim who is so charming and just wants to love everything and is just this got this naive energy about him but also at the same time you can navigate into just them talking and shooting you know shooting the breeze with each other and it just feels like it, I mean it feels like it's a podcast sometime I love how strange it is um, and that takes me to the animation, right? Smiling Friends, and we knew that they were going to do it like this, but it dares to be like nothing that is out there right now. It doesn't, they don't look like anything but what they are. It is the combination of YouTube st animation and Adult Swim style and Psychic Pebbles and that kind of like, they have moments where it's rotoscoped and they have moments where it's claymation that makes it genuinely like kind of unnerving sometimes. And the character designs are so fun. They look the way like... Like, Pim will have, Pim has these huge eyes, and one of them is a little bigger than the other, and they have, his pupils are just scribbles. And it kind of has that rough feeling that Rick and Morty sometimes has, but it's taken to the nth degree, and it's so much better for it. Um, like, Charlie's character is just in silhouettes. I mean, like, he's always, he can only look one way. Um, and this, the things that they go through, I mean, there are, it's the kind of thing where, the storytelling and the animation are so tied together in a in in its own unique style that I'm struggling to even really describe it to you. It's like if it's like if a show had absolute freedom and money behind it, right? That's what it feels like. It feels like freedom with money or YouTube with money. That kind of that kind of feeling of oh they can do whatever they want and they will and you never know what each episode is going to be but somehow it will always end with something that makes you cackle when it comes down to just the simplest little conversations that they have and when they fight oh my god it feels like they're actually fighting sometimes like it feels like real arguments that they would have so i it, look as somebody who is so raised off of like YouTube content and that sort of culture. It, it's the kind of stuff that I love that I want to be a part of. That And seeing 
a show like this, and it's it's you could watch it in an afternoon. It's eight episodes. Each episode is maybe ten minutes long. It's packed full of visual storytelling and hilarious payoffs. I really, I can't, it's not going to be for everybody. Look, I understand that it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. It's really weird. It's adult swim to adults, but it's the best of adult swim. It feels like the kind of like, you know, guerrilla animation jobs that they used to do that it just felt like it was coming from a place of pure passion, right? It just feels like it's coming from people that love what they're doing and we're finally allowed to do it. What I'm about to go talk about, it doesn't have so much to do with Smiling Friends, but it also kind of does. But it's great to see Zach Hadel have a win for like this in particular. I was somebody that was very intently following uh, the development of Hellbenders, which was his show with Chris O'Neill. Um, and it was, it was just dragged, I mean, they really dragged those two guys through the, the mud with this, with, they just, they tried so much, and they got tied up, and they didn't have the rights, and then they couldn't, and they couldn't make it the way they wanted to make it, uh, you should, I think there's maybe an episode of their podcast that explains what happens, I, if you could, if you want to look it up, it's out there, um, but it's just, it feels like a it feels like a victory for YouTube animators who have been put through so much. They they can't even it's so hard to make a living off of YouTube, especially if you're an animator now. It's so difficult. And so to see them to see them with this, I just I it it gets me very excited and emotional watching it. So I recommend that you watch it if you it's it's very weird. <laughs> There's going to be, st- like, if you love Adult Swim stuff, if you love YouTube animation in particular, it feels like an extension of that kind of form in the best way possible. And th- it's eight episodes. Again, you can watch it so quickly. I-, I-, I wish that I had written out more, but I really could. I just needed to talk about how much I like this show. Um, the animation is fantastic. It feels like it's it's all the stuff that you love. The stories are great. The characters are, it's just them. It's just these anima, those voices from animation that you love off of YouTube. It's just those guys, and they're here and they're doing everything that they love. I'm going to give uh, Smiling Friends a four point five out of five. I would probably look if you got me on a on a day where I didn't have to put it in like formal writing. I would probably say it's a five out of five. The only thing holding it back is that I don't know, like. Uh, my first five out of five on this show was Tear Along the Dotted Line. That really had such a huge emotional response, and it, it elicited something very, very strong for me. And Smiling Friends doesn't totally do that, but that's just what it's not supposed to do. But it it lives up to its name entirely. I, w- I could say five out of five. I would probably say that. So 4.5 out of five to five out of five, teetering along that line. Okay, so I'm moving on to my pick of the week. I have a little bit of time. I don't want to go too long. I've made some longer episodes, and I'm already at 30 minutes. But I wanted to talk about, since we're already at a, um, we're talking about a show that came from YouTube animators, and YouTube animators that were at this for so long and doing something that was really, really big. I wanted to do something different today, and for my pick of the week, I wanted to highlight a YouTube channel. This is a channel that hasn't been around as long as some of the other ones. I mean, they've been ba- they've been around for a while, but um, they make some of my favorite animated content on YouTube. And I think that YouTube animation, as we've just seen now with Smiling Friends, is a very big part of the culture. It's going to be making the few where the future animators come from, and it seems silly not to not to throw a highlight on them every once in a while. So the channel that I wanted to talk about was Worthy Kids, and specifically Ian Worthington from Earthy, Worthy Kids. 
it seems a little silly to give that a highlight because it's a big it's still a big channel i think they have as the, as of late Ian probably has like 750,000 followers or insta or subscribers on 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 YouTube. Um and there are other ones that are just as good. Like you another one to talk about would be Meat Canyon. Meat Canyon is definitely another channel to talk about. I would I could do another spotlight on them or him. Um but he's got his own show. He's got like a million subscribers and he's got Monster Lab aired on YouTube. Um I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about Ian Worthington. I wanted to talk about Worthy Kids and I wanted to talk about Big Big Top Burger. Big Top Burger has so much charm to it. It is amazing. And the rewatchability of it is impeccable. I can't, I laugh every time I see, and it's not even funny. It's not even funny a lot of the time, or it's supposed to be. But I love when they have, he's got the rival company and they're all dressed as clowns and it doesn't look like anything else out there right now. It's, Worthy Kids has such a great way of mixing, or like this mastery of of working with this kind of cgi in a way that doesn't look like everything else out there it, it's a little rough around the edges it's kind of got that stilted stuff to it but he's found a way to make it look so good and so charming and so i don't know i can't help but go back to it every time they look like little they look like little puppets sometimes. <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about Steve, the way he's designed in Big Top Burger at least. But it's not just that. You can talk about um, the uh, Emperor Palpatine video, right? Where it's um, – <laughs> he has him, Darth Vader throwing Emperor Palpatine off of the, the, the Death Star. <laughs> As he's doing, he says, is this a bit? Like that's so funny to me. Um and I don't see that kind of stuff elsewhere. It has this very kind of like in the family, at least to me, right? It feels his dialogue feels the way like family members joke with one another. And it just feels warm and comfortable. And again, like somebody who is making exactly his weird kind of thing. So uh, let me think of a couple of videos that you could start with. You should definitely watch Big Top Burger. That's a, It's a story. It's a little web series about... Four workers at a food truck that sells clown-themed uh, burgers. There's maybe, I think there's maybe six episodes out right now. He started a new season, so which is also why I'm kind of sh uh, shouting him out there. Some other ones that are good are uh, and Palpatine's Journey, which is on Tinder. Um, he also has an amazing, uh, he does some great music too. He has an amazing kind of Rankin and Bass inspired um, country song of this kind of skeleton singing a little old ditty. It's great. I just, I, I admire this guy's channel so much. And I wanted to do a shout out since we're already kind of talking about animators from, you know, the online forum. So check him out. It's Worthy Kids. It's um, W-O-R-T-H-I-K-I-D-S. You definitely know this guy. His videos get very a lot of views. So it's silly for me to shout him out, but I, I am. I'm going to do it because it's my show, damn it. And I, <laughs> and I can do what I want. And since I can do what I want and since I can do what I want, um, I should probably wrap it up right now because then, then we would be here forever. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Animation Podcast. Be sure to like this episode and subscribe. You can find more of my work on film 
film book. That's film-book.com. Just search for Ephraim Bernie or uh, the animation podcast and you'll find me there. You can also find me on Twitter at Frumblers or on Instagram at Ephraim underscore Burning. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at podcast at film-book.com with the animation podcast in the subject line. Tune in next week for the latest episode of the Animation Podcast and all things animation. Thank you for listening, and I will see you then. Thanks for listening to the Animation Podcast. Find more of the Animation Podcast on Filmbook, on your favorite podcast service, and on YouTube.